This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is sponsored by Podcorn. What is Podcorn? Podcorn is a marketplace that connects podcasts like this one with businesses of all kinds looking to raise the awareness of their brands through ad reads, interview segments, and more. I recently came across Podcorn and thought their idea of matching businesses looking to advertise on shows like this one was too good to be true, but quickly found that the site was very easy to use and was able to browse companies that I thought would fit the interests of our listeners. I've also come to love Podcorn's transparency when dealing with potential advertisers. Being able to set your own rates and having a variety of brands with a clear-cut idea of who they want to target and what they're looking for helps alleviate the stresses of sending countless blind emails in the hopes that someone will reply. All of this and there are no middle people to deal with and you don't have to give up any of the rights to your show. So huge thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. Explore a wide array of sponsorship opportunities yourself and start monetizing your podcast by signing up today at podcorn.com slash podcasters. Now on to the show. Stuck in a bottle, think I need that Seems like my eyes can't go back Tunnel vision now, I hope it's missing Thinking that I made the right decision Then to turn the phone, now I've lost track Memories flooded as it goes back Mistakes that I made, just attack, attack When you this all smokes, don't come What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, and the latest going-ons in the rock and metal world. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, man. I, I'm stoked. I I, uh, I got a new job, and uh, I don't have to work on garage doors anymore. I mean, unless I want to, and so that's exciting. I, I don't have to be outside negative 10-degree wind chill. It's kind of fantastic i'm not gonna lie yeah and all it took was a, a a fan of the podcast to make that happen well he's like one of my best friends man it's gonna be cool he's gonna be he's gonna get to crack the whip he's gonna be the only person that gets to tell me what to do besides my wife <laughs> and that's only when she has to pee shut the fuck up totally uh this episode's guest is telly smith from the word alive whose latest album monomania is out now via fearless records um this is a fun chat i <sighs> So the word alive is is not a new band by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they've been around for over ten years now, I believe. And uh, Telly Smith has been in a lot of bands prior to that that you may be aware of. And it was one of those things where, to be completely honest, uh, you know, I'd heard him on some other podcast and and some other interviews, and he just kind of seemed very uh, dry for lack of a better term. And it really wasn't until I heard him on the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast with uh, Aaron Gillespie, Vic from Pierce the Veil and him. And I kind of got a different side of of Telly. And I was like, he's like, I was texting uh, or messaging with uh, Amy, their publicist. And I was like, it's the first time I think I've laughed at things he said. Like, I felt like I got a better understanding of who Telly is as a person. And I don't know if it's something different about this record, this album cycle, or just the last, you know, year or so. But I feel like it just feels like he's more personable now than I've really ever heard him in an interview. And she was like, absolutely. You know, I was laughing several times at things he was saying. Let's set up an in-person with you two. And so we did an in-person when the band was here in Grand Rapids on the sold-out date of the Falling in Reverse tour. And got to say, dude lived up to my expectations based on uh, 
you know, the last interview I heard him do and was super gracious with his time. I think we talked for about 40 minutes or so. Uh, and, you know, he's sick. You can kind of hear it in his voice. And on top of that, you know, just I kind of asked him some kind of maybe some different off the wall questions uh, pertaining to the record and himself and uh, just where the band's at. Because, you know, a lot has been made from himself and the band leading up to the release of this record that, you know, they really had kind of been introspective and wanted to think about this being a relaunching point for a band. And I I find that very interesting because, as I said in the interview, you don't see and hear bands talking like that until it's like, okay, well, this is the end of our career. Let's look back at it now. (laughs) Right, yeah, that introspection is very unique, I think. For this, uh, for this type of band, even you know, in that you know, and this is not me like as a knock, but like their music to me is like vanilla ice cream. It's not, you know, it's not like it's gonna like shake up like my conventions on like crazy music. Of course, we all know I'm a meathead, so whatever. But uh, you know, like it's interesting to see a band like this that you know, like their music makes people feel good to be that introspective and and to have that kind of perspective on like you know where where have we been and where are we going and like I liked what you guys talked about in the interview as far as like personal growth and how like we're not the same people we were when we debuted, you know, and we we've grown considerably and we're trying to kind of incorporate that into our newer output. And that's sometimes the the interesting thing when doing some of these chats is, and, and admittedly, I'm not the biggest Word Alive fan either. Um, some of these bands, when we talk to them, and I think Dan will understand right where I'm coming from, some bands came at a time where, you know, we're just not, it's not, we weren't the demographic. They had already, you know, we weren't the young teens trying, you know, buying records and going to concerts with our parents' money. This is the era of, I was a broke 20-something living on my own, didn't even have fucking internet, so it's not like I could download anything. And right, there's just a handful of bands that passed me by. Like, last episode's guest with Andrew from The Ghost Inside, like, I was telling him, because he was like, oh, thanks for not, you know, asking a ton about The Ghost Inside. And I go, be completely honest, dude, like, I, you guys weren't a band I was super into, because... By the time you were coming out, that was when I was like broke living by myself and barely had enough money to pay my rent and bills as it was, let alone frivolous things like new CDs or internet and Wi-Fi in my house. I didn't even have a smartphone. So what the fuck was I going to listen to it on? You can always listen to it, you know, on a uh, like a one speaker setup and then hate yourself. I'm going to go to the public library and, and use it in my 15 minutes of free internet time I get to have. Totally, man. Like for real. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that that was a thing you could go to the public library and use the internet but only for like 15 minutes at a time and then you, if you wanted to print anything off on the internet it was like 25 cents a sheet yeah i mean absolutely it's it's uh it's kind of the american dream and you're introducing new listeners whether they're voluntary listeners or not to, to a band <laughs> that you like and you know um with this band especially i think that's fine nobody's gonna get upset no and that's the thing is i really do hope if uh, there are fans of the word alive that are listening to us and actually listening to the intro um i do i did really like this new record um it kind of reminded me a little bit of the plot new another band that has you know kind of gone into this alternative metal-y indie rock kind of thing. I mean, it's it's getting to the point now where a lot of bands are kind of introducing so many different genres that it's kind of hard to, to really pinpoint what it is. Um, it's kind of becoming its own thing. But I, I did really enjoy this record, and, and there was a handful of the songs that I really liked. And like I said, 
monomania. I mean, it's an interesting word. Uh, it just is uh, something that kind of catches your your ear and your eyes when you see it, and just kind of when looking up what it means and seeing how it kept correlating throughout the record. It, it just kind of as as a thirty five year old person listening to this, I was like, huh, I relate to these things based on things I've gone through. Will a fan that's younger than me really necessarily pick up on those things? Probably not. But you know what? That's okay because they probably have their own identifiers with what they feel in the record. And that's the beautiful thing about music is it can mean different things to different people. Dan and I can listen to the same Cannibal Corpse song and I might be like, eh. And Dan's like, oh my God, the story it was telling was like a real life horror movie. And I'm like, eh, cool, I guess. I don't know. Sure, riffs. (laughs) I like riffs. Yeah. But uh, all of that aside, let's get into my conversation with Telly Smith of The Word Alive and we'll talk to you guys afterwards. Um, all that aside, have the pleasure of talking to Telly Smith of The Word Alive, whose latest record, Monomania, comes out. Well, technically, as one we're talking, you have them here, we first do. day. Yeah. Um, but technically, the record does not come out until this Friday, the 21st. Um, you know, first off, uh, I always like asking, you know, when you're so close to a record coming out because of, of how long of a process it is between actually recording it waiting the five, six, seven months for your promotional rollouts and the vinyls and all that kind of stuff. You're two days away from it officially being out. How do you feel currently about it? Uh, I mean, we're all super excited. It's definitely starting to hit that, like, anxious, like, uh, you know, moment. We're starting to see the reviews come out. We're starting to have, you know, some people have gotten their pre-orders, um, like, within the last couple of days that live the closest to the manufacturer. <laughs> and uh, so... It's great. It's definitely like there's a lot of like anxiousness involved in it because I like I want it to just be out already and get past the whole like first week, two week like thing where, you know, it's all about numbers. And then I want to get past that to where it's just about like the message of the record and and just seeing our fans connect with it. So it is kind of interesting in this day and age, you know, it used to be a thing of when fans would get their record early you're, you're just so stoked you know as the fan getting like holy shit i pre-ordered it i just didn't expect it to show up now but then i also feel like now we're in such a world where everyone's so worried about leaks of any kind affecting your first week numbers because as as we now have come to learn that's what affects your touring that's what affects a lot of the the festival opportunities and so forth that the business side of things get affected when these leaks happen and so i always have wondered like now that that is kind of the world we live in are you do you kind of worry or is it like two days who cares like it is what it is yeah to me it doesn't really matter at this point i mean if you leak like a month out or something that's when you would be really bummed but uh this is the least amount of leak stuff that we've had to deal with which has been really nice because you know every album there's at least something and you know we're patrolling and then we're like oh shit you know here and then we're having to do takedown stuff i mean not us fearless in concord (laughs) but um so this has been super easy and so there was no stress on that end which was nice and um yeah and then just now for me i mean obviously like it's not 2009 10 11 12 when albums were flying so to me now i just look at you know our streaming i look at the shows that we're playing and i don't i don't have to worry too much about the numbers i know that 
if it's great, it can really help you. But there, there are gigantic bands that aren't selling like a ton of records that are selling out huge venues and their streaming numbers are great. And so for me, I'm just like, I just want it out there so that people can actually enjoy it. Yeah. You know, something about the record, uh, especially in name, that really intrigued me, being someone who loves a good word, learning new words and so forth, Monomania, when I saw it, you know, I started before I even heard a note of the record, I just kind of thought about what it was going to, what it means to me as the word. Uh, And maybe so that way when I talk about perhaps listening to it for the first time, I can kind of see if that informed how I felt about what I was taking in. Mm. And so monomania, before I looked up the word, I just kind of figured it as more being egocentric, focusing on the mono of you. And in looking up the word itself, because then at that point I wanted to know like how close I was, yeah. it's basically an exaggerated or a set obsessive enthusiasm or a preoccupation with one thing. So I guess you could put it and focus it on ego, but I kind of like the non the non-entities of what that is is it could be anything that you're singularly focused on whether it be a relationship whether it be yourself whether it be anything yeah and kind of then at that point looking and re-listening to the record a couple of times i kind of felt like you touched on that sense of singular things but it appealing to a wider array of topics yeah um so at what point did this word come into your vocabulary and at what point did you know that like this is kind of what I want the record to be and perhaps kind of be a theme throughout the record? Well, so as you know, I had been writing and talking about the songs and the themes within the songs and what they're about and just sharing stories with the guys. Uh, there, there was a kind of a theme that was underlying in a lot of them, and a lot of it came from, you know, loss of perspective, fixation on the wrong things, whether that's a, a like you said, a relationship, an emotion, uh, just kind of like a habitual way of living or thinking and feeling. And uh, as I was describing how I felt uh, to the guys, and we were trying to come up with a title, and I was like, this overall vibe is like what is in every song and we were trying to find like what is one word that represents all of that and tony actually he looked i think he was just typing things that i was saying into google (laughs) and then monomania popped up and um and it just like instantly we were like he read literally like what you just did he started reading the description of it and everyone was like that's what this is like that's what these songs are and um so it just it felt right it felt perfect and then the the what became the title track was originally um titled madness mm. and but we didn't want it to stay that that's just what that was the, the working title the working title and so th- that we were just like well, this song embodies like, you know, the middle ground of the record of, you know, all the things I think that you can hear throughout the record. And we were like, this should be the title track. And it just, everything just spawned from that. And it was pretty easy. Deftones in the background. I mean, that's what you got to sound check a room to, those drums especially. Oh, it's it's incredible. (laughs) It's one of the sexiest drum beats ever. Yep, it is. Anyway. Um, you know, it, it is kind of interesting too, because in, in thinking about the word itself, kind of the, the themes expressed uh, on the on the record, 
you know, something that's been pretty prevalent in a lot of the press you've been doing leading up to the release of this record is basically reflection on the last 10 years of the band and kind of what you want the band to be moving forward and just kind of reflection as a whole. And it's kind of interesting because I feel like there's the dichotomy or the duality, I guess I should say, of when I think of monomania, I typically would end up thinking of, you know, egomania. And it's kind of interesting in, in thinking about everything I've been just kind of in preparation for this interview with you is thinking about thinking, and I know I'm using that word a, a whole bunch, um, about the last 10 years of your band and thinking about it almost in a business perspective, kind of, uh, self-reflective at times and wondering, A, you know, a lot of times you don't hear bands talk about them, their career and looking back and thinking about what they want to do moving forward and, until you're kind of in the twilight of it and then it's more of a man i can't believe we did all these things and you're kind of just resting on your laurels at that point i find it interesting you know being in my mid-30s i think about a lot of the things i've done in the last 10 years and going like you know when i was 25 holy shit i thought i knew everything and i was a bad motherfucker and then it's like <laughs> no i really wasn't i didn't i sometimes i'm amazed at how horrible life shit didn't happen to me with my naivety but here I am having learned and that I approach things a lot differently because of those experiences as well. What did you learn about your band in that process of looking back? And what did it inform moving forward for you? You know, well, I the word ego, you know, that you, it was kind of drawn to it. I think that is what is the driving force behind a lot of mistakes we make as we're growing up. And it can continue on the rest of your life if unchecked. And, you know, I think for me, ego is is a word that some people just associate with this outward, like, just flamboyancy almost where you're like, oh, wow, he has a huge ego. That's not the full extent of what ego touches no. on. And a lot of it is internal. And a lot of it is the things you say, your actions, uh, the choices you make, why you do all of those things. In my opinion, I think ego is the why of so many decisions we make. And we are, for the most part, just unaware of our own ego. And, uh, and it's not necessarily like you're an ego as in you don't give a shit about anyone and you think you're the shit. It's not necessarily that it's just you're not really taking time to stop and think about other people how what you do say feel can impact them and then really look on yourself and take responsibility for your own thoughts actions emotions or emotional output at least and so for me like it is very apparent in the songs you know I was going further and further away from my true self and living through, you know, what they would call the, e the ego version of yourself. And so for me that, you know, that's the side. It's like, no, you're fine. Like you don't need to talk about this or, oh no, you're doing this thing that if you were in a clear minded place, you'd be like, what am I doing right now? But if unchecked and you just don't really, you know, have accountability for yourself, your, your, the way you think and the way you treat people or the, the experiences that you're taking in and you don't really look around and you're like, why is this happening? Or is there something I could be doing better that would change everything for me? And I just wasn't thinking that way. And part of that is naivety. Part of that is just, you know, living a, a life that my childhood didn't prepare me for, you know, touring the world and being the singer in a band and moving across the country from my family. You know, I'm, I've been learning and growing, you know, 
in a, in a way that I wasn't necessarily made aware that you can even grow. And, and so this record and obviously like hitting the 10 year mark with the band and releases, it, it was a huge part of reflection, but I was also engaging with that before we hit that point. Um, due to some personal things that I had gone through that led to a lot of these songs and, you know, just, it, it sounds cliche to say, but you know, you hit a rock bottom and when you hit a true rock bottom, you, you have either a, you don't get a second chance, uh, which is the wor- the worst possible, um, scenario Two, you just keep living the way and you run from all your problems. You don't face anything or three, you, you face and you're, you're just like, I need to do something more, with my life. I have this ability. I have, I have friends, I have family. I have this job that I love these, this passionate outlet. I need to start looking inward and start changing. (laughs) Yes. One second friends on the podcast. Yeah, it, it is, uh, inevitable. Uh, but yeah. Um, I mean, overall just like as, you're looking back and then it just, you know, a lot of these songs were me taking what I had been through, seeing where I was at. Some of it is like from that perspective of where I was in the moment. And then some of it is now having come out of it and being on the other side and being more reflective on like, wow, like I was an idiot. (laughs) And, And yeah, you, you question or wonder like, man, how did I even make it out with it not being worse or like it relatively unscathed if, if it is, I mean, I don't think, uh, anyone comes out of some of the things that I've been through, like without it, you know, weighing on you, but you also, if you deal with everything in the right way and the best way possible, you know, you can kind of get through that and understand that this is a part of my journey that has helped me get to where I am today. You know, something that was kind of interesting, too, about some of the press releases is basically you were saying that in all of this, you felt it was time to kind of reintroduce the band to kind of uh, make it be viable for another five, ten years. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of bands, when they put out a new record, you always hear, oh, it's the most adventurous. It's the most, you know, if you're a heavy band, the heaviest or the softest or all the, the, the catch words, buzzwords that'll help, you know, push some extra copies or get people interested or whatever. When when you say a reintroduction and you, you've been saying it, what has that meant to you and how do you think it has, how have you practically applied it into the band and in the music at this point? Well, for us, I think a big thing was we had the discussion like, you know, what do we want our band to represent? What do we want the message of our band to be? What do we want the legacy of our band? What You know, at some point, we're not going to be doing this. What do we want to look back on and be remembered for, you know, musically speaking? And, um, you know, and then obviously you have along the way, you have to continuously recommit to this life and this lifestyle and to each other as friends and bandmates, business partners, you know, because it encompasses all of that. And, you know, we had to make the choice of like, do we want to not just still do this, but do this together? And if we're going to do it, what direction are we heading? And where does everyone want to go? So we just had some really, really honest conversations. Everyone kind of said everything they liked, didn't like um, about ourselves individually, each other, songs, records, the way we handled, you know, day-to-day business things, like everything. We just went through everything and we used that communication that we hadn't really had for a while and we were able to 
kind of breathe new life into the band. And so as we were writing for uh, Monomania, it was just no pressure. It was very enjoyable. We were all on the same page. We knew where we were going. We knew why we were going that way. And, you know, for the first time in our entire career, we were thinking bigger than just one album. And so like with this record, you know, for us, it's like Dark Matter is kind of like where a, a really big noticeable shift started in the band. And between Dark Matter, Violent Noise, there was a lot of experimentation that led to what you hear now in Monomania. And now I think that Monomania will be out. I think this is like the firmest we can say this is kind of this is the word alive, but this is a, a chunk of the lane that we will find ourselves in. But we're also not afraid to push, you know, those um, a little bit here and there. But for the most part, our whole mantra is like, we're just not going backwards. If it's not forwards, then there's no point in, in continuing for us. And so the reintroduction is really just like a, we are infatuated with the songs themselves like you know we are fans of our own band almost more than we ever have been and i think like having that for the first time and being older having the the last 10 years as a guide of a lot of what to do what not to do now we're just excited because we feel like we made it through the hardest part of being a band and now we're into this like deeply committed you know relationship with the music and each other on a wavelength that we've never reached before it almost seems like it kind of falling in love you know i it's funny when bands say that you know well they don't really listen to like our stuff or anything like that and i'm just kind of like i get it but at the you know at this point i think the episode with uh, andrew from the ghost inside will be out so i can go ahead and say this uh it was interesting you know the day that i went and did that uh this past sunday he had just gotten the final mixes uh for that record and it was fun to see him be excited about it because typically you do some of these and people are like i just you know i don't listen to my own stuff you know i I heard it i had to listen to it for the mixing process or the writing process i'm just kind of over it i'm ready to do whatever we're already currently working on that you probably won't hear for another year year and a half so it's in the it's always kind of weird that bands kind of get in this like not jaded cycle of they're always excited about the new thing but it always seems because of how long it takes everything to come out that you almost lose sense of being excited about the thing that everyone else is going to get to hear. So the fact that you're saying, like, we're kind of excited about this music that is getting ready to come out, that's kind of refreshing because I don't typically hear band people say that. We, we've been jamming some of the songs, like, on our drives and stuff, like, and we, we are just, like, we'll take breaks from it just so it's, like, exciting all over again. But like one of our favorite songs, uh, Another Year in the Shadows, which I would say is probably the most left field song on the record, but maybe of our career almost, but not at the same time to us because yeah. we're, we're living it. So like we know our mindset and mood that we were in <laughs> when we're feeling this and writing that song and we we're just so stoked. And but yeah, we played it for the first time the other day after probably taking like about three or four weeks off from listening to any of the new songs, just, you know, prepping for the tour, getting into stuff. Uh, we listen to a lot of podcasts uh, when we're traveling around. So we put it on and we were all just like, damn, this song is so <laughs> sick. And we, like, we were pretty, we're pretty dope. And so to like have that like feeling technically almost 12 years in of from when we first started making music together is pretty sick. Cause it's never really happened before on any album. We've had songs, but not like 
every song. And uh, so this is this is something it's kind of new territory for us because we've never been on the same page as much in our entire career. It's got to be nice at this point. Like I said, you know, 12 years in. Um, Something, and this may be kind of a weird question, but it's something I've kind of been obsessed with. Uh, So a lot of the bands that I grew up with, like you're a Treyu's, like even, you know, a band from around here still remains. A lot of these bands. Still remains. I I like the band. They were all signed young. Mm. And, you know, I have this kind of, speaking again, kind of the ego, the id, and all that kind of stuff of thinking about bands getting signed so young and basically something that started as a love of just creating with friends becomes a product and being told this product that you're making, even though that's not what it should be, is not good enough. It's not going to sell. We don't hear this. We don't hear that. Now, adversely, you know, nothing against any of the, the friends I have in any of these bands and so forth, but just thinking, you know, you are kind of in this newer breed of of singers that gets you know touted for being good looking or <laughs> having a really great voice, and I feel like that puts a, a completely different kind of pressure on you than just being, I gotta sell X amount of records, and if it didn't do as much or better than the last one, it's technically a failure. Even it, even though I don't think you can quantify art by success or failure, um, but I've often wondered, does that put any? extra unrealistic pressure on you that maybe some of the other people that don't aren't touted as such have to go through especially at such a young age you know i think so when we signed to fearless which we're we're still with fearless we're the longest active band on the label um you know we were all 18 19 except for me i was the oldest and i was only 21 and i think you know going from that and yeah, for the first time, having people commenting on image and things like that. Um, I mean, and as we're currently doing this, I'm in uh, <laughs> slides, sweatpants, and I, I'm just relaxing right now. But, um, you know, I do think certain bands are different and it, it ranges because you have the bands like, not that they're not good looking by any means, but say like every time I die, you're going to their shows and if keith is in a suit or if keith is in sweatpants and a flannel nothing changes you know between the two you would either be just like oh keith's in a suit today you know like their music is just so a hundred percent of what they are and i do think that there's certain bands where that percentage is shifted you know obviously if you're a band like five seconds of summer you know um who are actually some really rad dudes, you're, you can't just go on stage, sweatpants and a flannel. They'd be like, unless they're all coordinating tracksuits. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just, it becomes a distraction from the music almost. And then there's a side story and the, you know, who knows with us, we're like a very, very low level mix of both where, you know, we don't want to look like we don't give a shit you know, about our personal appearance whatsoever, because I think just in general hygiene and taking care of yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, I think everyone wants to just feel good and comfortable, yeah. um, which has been our thing overall. But then there's also an aspect of entertainment that goes in with live shows, music videos. So we've, we've tried to blend in a little bit of the entertainment with this record um, from a fashion standpoint that we weren't necessarily really fixating on at all before. But it's because it's kind of fun. It's like for me and some of the guys, like Halloween is just 
it's not about candy to us. It's like, Hey, we we're usually going to be on tour and it's just an excuse to dress up. And we're really good friends with like motionless and white and they have their whole thing. And it's like, it must be kind of nice that you can kind of hide behind something uh, when you go on stage. Creates a character. Yeah. And, uh, and you can be that and live that on stage and then you come off stage and you know, you can just fully be yourself and that's just this thing. But for our band for so long, you know, it's been like we've been the same on and off stage. And I think it can be a little draining that way because it's going on stage can be a huge release and you have a great show. All it takes is one great show and you feel like on top of the world. But sometimes when you go on stage and you look around, we're like, we all look good. We feel good. Like, and we're playing a great show. It just gives you kind of a sense of like direction that we're like, we're all in this together rather than just a random bunch of dudes who got together and just happened to walk on stage. There's more of like a symbolic thing behind it. That's like, Hey, we are in tune with each other and we're playing this music that we love. It's funny that you picked every time I die. They are one of my favorite bands and I I always think it's interesting. And I've often said, I don't know if I've ever really said it on the podcast, but I know two friends, uh, they are an anomaly because they're, I mean, Sans the drummer, but it's nothing against Goose or David or any Daniel or any of the people that have been in it. But, I mean, you have such unique people in that band. Jordan, yeah. like, you know, I was telling to someone the other day, like, you know, when watching shows, like, you know, a photography friend of mine that covers a lot of the shows here in town, when covering Every Time I Die, I was like, you know, you're going to want to look more wide shots of Jordan because he does a lot of jumping. So you're going to want all these action shots. Andy, you want to get kind of low, let the backlight from the stage light kind of backlight him so he looks big and hulking because he is. Mitch, you kind of same thing. He's crazy, whatever. You kind of want to get close, wide shots. Keith, you want to shoot maybe above everyone's heads because, you know, he kind of is right in there with everyone. So it gives it this, this passion, this energy from a still photo. And I don't think a lot of people maybe look at bands like that or just shows in general of taking it all in and seeing what each individual brings to the table and then what they bring as a whole. Um, And I sometimes don't know or wonder if I've ruined shows for myself (laughs) because I look at things like that. I mean, nothing makes me happier when I see shows than, and it's not necessarily that I want to see bands fuck up, but I love when someone like almost eats shit or like someone is like fucking with the drummer and grabbing like on a cymbal grab and like the, the guitar player might do it. And just little things like that, that it's like, those are for you guys. Yeah. yeah, And a lot of fans may not notice that, but I love that because that shows me that you guys are having fun up there. Yeah. Not just like, here's the set. We're playing it for the millionth time. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like, you know, when we were younger and in our, the scene kind of that we came up in, there was a lot of what fell into what felt like choreographed movements and things. And looking back, it's so funny to me. (laughs) Uh, And everyone did it and everyone loved it. And it was like the cool thing to do. And now like that we're older, you know, we don't do that. Everyone's doing their own thing. Uh, There are certain movements. I'm sure we all do each show. Or certain times where whether it's jumping or headbanging because it's on beat, you know, but for the most part, everyone now has their own identity on stage and just kind of lives through that. So it's, it's cool because to me, I like watching bands like that too, where you never necessarily know what you're going to get. And, and I like seeing that, you know, real aspect to it. Um, kind of as we start wrapping up, um, I've kind of found it compelling that you've been pretty vocal about the fact that you won't put out a record or start a record even until you're ready to do it. In the day and age now where, like we were just kind of saying, music has become a product, it's become a commodity. 
I think it's pretty bold that like, and especially the fact that your label doesn't pressure you into doing shit either until you're ready. Do you think that because of you guys not putting anything out until you're ready to do it and that it means something to you, do you think that that is why your fandom, your fans have such a deeper connection with your music and you as people? Because they know it's not, it's not just a product that you actually give a shit about what you're doing? I mean, I would hope so. Um, and yeah, I mean, there is a common misconception about things. And, and obviously part of that is in, is in part to the stereotypical two year cycle, roughly when albums come out and we've kind of adhered to that for the most part. But, you know, if, if you live or know, even a a glimpse into the lives that we live, like a lot happens in those two years. Um, and, and especially whether you're struggling, seeing the world, uh, your perspective is being changed and, and you're learning more about yourself and the people around you all the time. So, um, you know, two years to me is like the longest I probably would want to go only because so much happens that I'm like, I want to write about this while I'm feeling this. Um, and it makes it a little bit easier to kind of dive really deep in with uh, the lyrical components of writing. Um, you know, it, it's a little bit harder at times for me to, you know, think back on subjects that I don't actively like feel or, you know, I'm not necessarily reminiscing on them, which is why I think a lot of bands, it's not that they dislike their older material. I think it's just, they might not relate with the way of thinking that they were expressing at that time. And that's kind of what it is for me. It's, you know, most of our early songs aren't really a reflection of how I think or feel. Not that I was saying anything like controversial to like my own beliefs, but just like I'm not a young, angry, pissed off or feel like I have something to prove person now. Now I am more like reflective. Now I see more the impact of our music and how certain things that I've gone through. I'm like, okay, like, you know, I made it through this and we're talking, you know, with friends on tour and everyone's kind of going through these things. And we, you know, want to be honest about our lives. And, and that's the path that we've chosen within our music is to share real pieces of ourselves in our music so for me yeah we start riding and when it feels right then we hit up fearless and we're like hey we're we're starting to ride or we're feeling you know this and or you know on the opposite side we might not necessarily be like oh we have 20 songs ready to go but it might be like the feeling of we need we need to have a creative outlet and we need to to start doing that for our own sakes because ultimately we would i would love to make music once a month you know and just be put out even more stuff than we do but uh it does seem to be the direction the industry would cater to it's you know for me it's fun it's definitely it would be a lot more hit or miss and there would be less like overthinking probably involved but um i think you would get probably more of that lightning in a bottle feeling because maybe you're like I just was feeling this and wrote it and didn't have time to overthink. And now it's out in the world and maybe it's your biggest song you've ever had, or maybe it's the worst song you've ever done. And you're like, you can laugh about it and be like, well, I'll have another song out next month. And you know, this, you just are documenting like how you're feeling and thinking. And so it's funny, you know, what you were just saying kind of reminded me of, you know, the internet basically getting all in up people about Frankie from Amir saying like, kind of what you were saying, like, I, it's not that I necessarily don't like my old lyrics or don't associate with them. It's just I'm not that same person. And I think everyone seemingly missed that point. 
that he made. It was like, you know, when he tweeted those things and then everyone picked up on it and so forth, I was like, he's not saying he doesn't agree with those lyrics anymore or that he will never sing those. He's basically saying, like, I was looking back on it through a conversation I was having and I realized I'm not that person anymore, but there are so many people who think I'm still that person from the first record and I'm not. And it's so weird that in, in, we hold musicians and I guess because it's the only thing really where it's a timestamp of you at a certain point and... You know, for lack of a better word, it's like, you know, I just went and saw Corn the other day and I was thinking about when, where I was when I first heard that band. And it's weird because I know that that band it aren't those people anymore from that first record, but it is kind of hard at times for you to sit there and go like, but you are still those people to me. But it's like, well, no, now you're like almost 50 or you're over 50. Yeah. And if you felt the same way you did as you were when you were like 22, after, as we kind of were saying earlier, it's like, God, I would hope you're not because that means yeah. something's not going right yeah. for you one way, yeah. shape or form. I think, you know, that that is a, a mindset that is uh, – it's never been one that I understood, even from a younger age. Like, I just always had the concept of, like, bands change, art changes. I always view music as art. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people do because uh, when you then give a metaphor related to, like, drawing or a movie – uh, then I think people start to see – they're like, oh, well, I never thought of it that way. Like, yeah. It's like – Yes, there are, you know, there are a bunch of Terminators and it's like you can do that. And there are a bunch of like Harry Potters and things like that. But they each still have their own identity and stories within that. And uh, it might be all a part of one subculture. But yeah, you also can see Bruce Willis and Die Hard and then you can see him in The Sixth Sense and then you can see him in this. That's kind of like how music is for me. It's like I think music tells a story and whatever emotion is rises to the top. And if you can combine that with some sort of musical entity that, you know, makes you feel or connect with that emotion, then to me, it, it shouldn't really matter. I think as long as the artist is having fun, doing what they love and just trying to be open and honest about what they're doing, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I just think people... The, in in a world where it's like we want what we want when we want it, um, you know, a lot of people are afraid that they once they have something really special from a band, they will never feel that way again with them. And but that's okay, you know. There's so much music in the world. I Deftones is my favorite band. I would never want them to try to make White Pony or Adrenaline again because they already did that, and right. I have it. I want them to keep trying to do whatever it is that they do. And I'm sure as I ride the wave of their career with them as a fan, but also as a musician myself, it's interesting for me to see like how the different things in their lives shift their music sonically and lyrically. And to me, it's just like a book. Like I'm just reading this big book of like what you're going through. And uh, so I view it as one big picture rather than like every album is the end all be all of one band. So serendipitous you you brought up deftones because obviously chino has so many side projects to showcase the various influences uh that he is into and the the things that influence him between you know team sleep to uh palms to the crosses um you know a lot of people have been clamoring from you for new solo music yeah yeah I've been working on it. I mean, that seems to be the common sentiment over the last handful of years. So it, it's taken a back seat to the word alive for sure, because in my mind, I so I have a bunch of songs, solo songs. Um, so I've got a lot of that out. I needed to get that out and then start focusing on the word alive again. 
Uh, so I did that, but then I was like, all right, I want to get the word alive to this place and I want us to all be healthy and happy with each other and connected. So now once the album's out, uh, we're taking a break for about two and a half months uh, right after this and I'm going to finish um, all my solo stuff that I have and uh, hopefully by the summer I'm finally dropping my first taste. I think a lot of people have no idea what to expect and I love that. So it's funny you say that because in listening in listening back to some of your older material even pre The Word Alive and some of the uh, collaborations you've done over the years and even the stuff on this new record it crosses and touches in so many different genres. So very much yeah. like Chino, I will ask you this with given how much you've done musically and touching so many genres, what is a genre that you haven't touched that you want to? Well, I touch on everything that I haven't for the most part with my solo stuff. Uh, Fair enough. So I'm a huge fan of instrumental music, post rock, um, but I'm also a fan of pop music, hip hop, but I like a very specific style of each of those. I think like, you know, you say pop and you're like Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber. And it's not, that's not necessarily like any influence to me. Um, but I like, you know, lo-fi stuff. I, I like really it, the cool, I guess, buzzword would be, it's like very vibey. Um, my, one of my, um, kind of mission statements, if you will, of my solo project is I want you to be able to sleep to it, fuck to it, or dance to it. And it could be on the background at a party. It could be, you know, you're having a life talk with your friend and just going real deep into life. It could be, yeah, you just want to wind down. Uh, it's not abrasive, uh, like the word alive, um, has throughout our music. Uh, so I will say that there's no screaming. Um, but there is guitar in almost every song. Um, there is not live drums in every song, but there is in most of the songs. Uh, Luke Holland, our old drummer, actually uh, featured on one of my favorite songs I've ever written. And uh, I can't wait for that song to come out. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's really it's just me being able to do whatever I want and no rules. I don't feel the need to get something from it it's literally just for me and if no one liked it that'd be fine with me but uh from my like circle of friends and industry friends that have heard some of it it's it's surprising to to most of them and it, it's nice for me because while there are some elements of my voice that you will recognize through the word alive to that there's still so much more that I feel like I can do um, with my voice that just doesn't make sense to in the word alive. So this is me kind of connecting all the dots of everything I'm truly inspired by and influenced by and uh, without taking away from the word alive. I wanted it to be something that was very disconnected from the word alive so that if the word alive is like your thing, th that's your thing. You're not having to like pick and choose Oh, you know, like, well, Telly's got this. If you love the word alive, you might like this, but you could easily love this and not like my band or like my band and not like this. And so I, I think I did what I set out to do. And now I'm just uh, in the mixing stage and uh, I'll probably write like one or two more songs and just to see if I can top something I've done. Um, 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Obviously, fans have been very patient over the years. Uh, originally, I was going to do like an acoustic project and just have it be that because I could do that all day and just record whenever. But I was like, I can still do that and just put those songs out there. But this is an actual like project that I hope to like play shows with and and uh, make something special. And uh, lastly, where can everyone find you or the band on, on online? And I mean, you kind of already touched on what you got coming up. So I guess there's really not a need to ask that question. Uh, well, uh, for the band, anything, you can go to wearethewordalive.com and you can find pretty much all the other social links, uh, merchandise, tickets, VIP stuff, everything you want to know about us for the most part. And then for myself, uh, I'm usually hanging out on Twitter, Instagram, which is uh, – Telly Smith, T-E-L-L-E Smith on Twitter, and then Telly T-W-A on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. I got a fan page on there, but uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you very much, and looking forward to the show tonight. Yeah, thank you. And that was my conversation with Telly Smith of The Word Alive. Uh, once again, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. Um, it's always great when people actually give you you know, a decent amount of time. Like There was no, like, okay, we got to wrap this up in this amount of time. I was trying to be aware of it because, as you could hear, like I said, he was sick. And I know the band was playing soonish, but it was one of those things where you know I didn't feel rushed. I felt like I was able to kind of talk about things. If there was a cool little tangent I wanted to talk about, I could kind of ask him a question based on that. And, you know, after we were done, I was kind of like, ah, you know, hopefully, you know, I know the record's coming out and I know you've been doing a ton of press. Hopefully that wasn't too bad. Like, not a lot had been had been coming out yet about, you know, press in general for this record. So I was like, maybe you've been asked some of these things a million times and I just don't know. And he goes, no, man, like, it's cool. And then I brought up the thing I said in the intro where I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I always kind of wanted to talk to you because, like, I know, you know, I, I respect that a lot of people like you. And, you know, your voice and so forth. But I just I never felt like you like doing press. So when he was like, well, I'm just at the point now where, like, I just don't have time for bullshit. Like, if you ask me bullshit questions, I don't, I, I'm just not going to answer them. <laughs> and I'm not going to feign interest in, in your questions. And I was like, you know what? I respect that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it was one of those things where uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, at the very end, you know, sounds like we're going to get a, a Telly Smith solo album. So... I know seemingly the internet has been rampant wondering when the solo record's coming, so sounds like we are getting it here very soon, so all of you uh, Telly Smith Word Alive fans will uh, have a lot to look forward to uh, in this 2020. Yeah, man. I think it's going to be really exciting. I've listened to the new singles. I haven't listened to the whole record, but uh, the singles seem pretty promising, and uh, I'm not really the kind of guy that's into that sort of music, And but I still find them very smooth and entertaining. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's the kind of thing, and, and I, <laughs> I felt like kind of like a dickhead for asking this question where I was like, so you know, a lot of people really put you in the upper level of uh, talent as far as singers, but you're also touted as being like a really good looking dude and on the cover of like these magazines and so forth, and like, does that like, does it hard to like try to maintain a career where you're looked at as as a I don't want to say a sex symbol but just basically looked at you know in high regard for your looks as well as your voice because you know not everybody has both yeah I mean it's one of those like that's a hard question to ask without sounding creepy you know you did a much better job than I did than or than I would have I did like his reply he was like well I mean like no one can see me but I'm in flip-flops and sweatpants and and a t-shirt that's fine that makes it more real it's the boyfriend experience <laughs> and uh 
It almost made me feel like I was a little bit overdressed because I was like, oh, I kind of wish I was wearing flip flops and sweatpants. Like, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I'm wearing right now. But um, it was pretty cool. And you know what? I don't know what the fuck it is. Every time there's a drum tech working on something, or you know, we're in these you know green rooms right behind at the intersection. There's always Deftones playing. Between that one with Phil Labonte, uh we did, where they're literally playing a Deftones cover in the background to them uh leveling the room basically as the the sound mix guy uh mixing the room to basically a digital bath which i mean i just i don't know man deftones are just one of those bands where you know like a lot of people are like i don't think anybody in any genre of music would be like deftones sucks it's like there's a deftones for you at some point in their discography where you're like yeah deftones love it totally yeah man it's universal scott bowling and i are gonna go see the deftones together in atlanta it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be beautiful it's going to be beautiful, man. Yeah, I'm uh, oh, Atlanta. So great. I'll, uh, I'm going to try to make it out for that. If, uh, if you decide to do the, uh, Scott Bowling, uh, YouTube show, I'm, I'm going to be there for that. I mean, I don't know that that's really, I mean, if Scott's listening to this and he hears this, I, I, I know he said he wanted me to have me, he wanted to have me on the show, but I don't know in what regard. Cause now he has a podcast too. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he means this podcast show or like the YouTube show. I, I just I don't think anyone would want to. I have a face for radio, which is why you don't ever see me. Uh, even when I do the in persons, so usually the focus is not on me. So uh, I don't think anyone on YouTube would want to see me. But um, if you would like to keep up with the Word Alive, simple enough. Word Alive on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you would like to keep up with Telly Smith, you can find him on Instagram at Teleportation, clever name, and uh, Twitter at TellyTWA. And uh, like I said, look out for that uh, solo record of his potentially dropping some point soonish after this tour is done. And uh, go pick up Monomania. It's out now again via Fearless Records. If you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at metal.nexus. Nope. You can find them at metalnexus. <laughs> nope. You can find them at metalnexus.net, Facebook at metalnexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found. I can be found listening to the uh, Plea for Pershing single, Fat Pride, which is a uh, <clears throat> it's an unreleased track by Plea for Purging. You guys should check it out. I think that band's going to come back. They're being really shy about it, but I think they're going to come back. I can also be found on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I can be found on Gmail at DiscussMetalDan if you notice a trend there. And, uh, you know, you can find my other podcast. <laughs> this is going to be crazy for you guys. It's at DiscussMetal.com. So, uh, yeah, I- I'm all over the place. So if you can't get a hold of me, then I don't know really what to tell you. I gave you all the keys to the kingdom. You should be able to handle it. I have faith in you guys. Reach out. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, it's simple enough. Brew Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Patreon at Brew Speak Pod if you'd like to support us monetarily. If you would like to support us non-monetarily, whatever podcast catcher you are listening to this on, you can rate and review us. That would be greatly appreciated. If you would also like to support us monetarily, we have pins. $15 gets you a pin shipped anywhere in the U.S. Uh, If you live outside of the U.S., hit us up, let us know, and we can uh, figure something out. Email us at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. And our sponsors, we have On Point Palmade. Keep your beard and hair looking great. Go over to onpointpalmade.com. Use our code BSP15 and get 15% off your total purchase. Let them know that we are sending you. Support them for supporting us. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at On Point Palmade and keep up with all the latest going-ons with what they're doing. 
And the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and get you some delicious coffee. Facebook and Instagram at the Bean Bastard. Let them know that we sent you. Buy some coffee. Stay awake. Enjoy their product. Support them again for supporting us. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.